Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to help yoga teachers transform their teaching by mastering the fundamentals of anatomy. By learning anatomy in my easy step-by-step way, you'll be able to confidently share it in your cues, easily create sequences, and you'll eagerly answer student questions. And all along the way, you'll increase your impact and earning potential. On the podcast here, you will hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, go ahead and visit barebonesyoga.com, my website, for free resource guides for teachers. Download any and all that are there, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. And if you'd like, send me a one-line email with the answer to this question. What's your biggest frustration right now as a yoga teacher? And I'm happy to do some brainstorming with you in a free coaching session. My email address is karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get to today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian. And this is episode 198. I am recording this on August 1st, 2022. Unreal. We are heading into the final 30 days of official summer, although official summer, I think, and sometime in September. But you know how it goes. Once the end of August comes and Labor Day comes and goes, then we're really kind of in that mindset of on on with fall. And uh, I don't know, wherever you're living, uh, I hope you're safe. I hope you're well. I know that uh, these days we are experiencing extremes of weather, the likes of which, you know, it's just, it's just crazy. We just have not seen this kind of uh, weather before. So I, again, I do hope wherever you are listening, you are safe. Um, Certainly here in Massachusetts, we're just in just a lot of, a lot of really warm weather, but nothing nearly like what people are experiencing out in, in the Western part of the U.S., Um, and even other countries. I understand France was really undergoing a lot of heat and uh, England. And so again, just just hope you're doing okay. So today, what we are going to do is is something fun. This is going, I mean, they're all fun, I hope in one way or another. Uh, Today, this is going to be a little bit of an exercise, not physical, more mental. Um, And it'll be a really good way for you to start to seal some of the anatomy into your brain. And I'm going to tell you in a second or two, it's going to be about muscles. And you can pretty much do this exercise, regardless of how you're listening to the show. If you're walking the dog or driving the car, you can certainly participate. If you do have an opportunity to kind of put yourself in a meditative seat when we start the exercise, that'll be even more ideal. It's just, it's not required. So don't uh, feel like you have to log off and then log back into the episode when you can get into a space like that. Um, So I want you to think about, you know, just this idea. And I don't know if you've ever had this idea. It is something I hear a lot from yoga teachers you know, do you, do you ever feel like it's just overwhelming to learn the muscles? 
uh, that are in the body and not all muscles, but the muscles that you need to know to effectively teach yoga. Do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to learn this. Or I feel like I'm always looking it up or I haven't even really looked it up. I just sort of try to pick up the muscle names from different videos I see and, you know, books I read. Do you ever feel that way? You know, I think it is a common experience for teachers. And I know sometimes that people who yoga teachers who are training yoga teachers, <laughs> um, oftentimes don't get into the detail of muscles. And I have pretty strong feelings about that. I feel like, um, and the experience I have in my program, the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program demonstrates that anyone has the ability to learn this and it's transformative when you do. Meaning when you learn the key aspects of the muscles that you need to know, not every muscle in the body, but just certain muscles, it literally can change your teaching, change the way you teach into a more confident teacher, a more skilled teacher, a teacher with bigger impact. And when you don't know the muscles, it really gets in the way of being able to effectively share cues. So if you're hearing from other people that you don't need to learn the muscles, you need to learn the muscles. <laughs> uh, and again, I want you to keep in mind, it's not every single one, it's just certain muscles. And I've done all the work for you in creating a list, a short list. And of course we go into this in a lot of detail in my program. For today's episode, what I'm going to do is take you through a short body scan exercise where I highlight some of these muscles and just some general terminology around them to just show you how easy it is to be able to share this information. Now, of course, you may be listening to this and thinking, you know, that I've had years to learn this and I'm training other people on it. And so that's why it comes easy to me. Well, it didn't always come easy to me. And I had to go through the process just like you to learn it. However, what is different for your learning experience when you work with me is that I've created a whole bunch of successful approaches that I run teachers through in my program so that the information is easy to learn. And the number one thing that we do is we don't address it as if we're going to learn every single muscle in the body. That's just too overwhelming a task. and doesn't really get you the return on investment for the time that you'll put in because you're not really needing to know every single one. On that score, I do agree with other teachers. However, it is absolutely necessary that you understand uh, a good amount about certain muscles in the body. And I'm gonna give you kind of the short outline for what you need to know for the ones that you need to know. <laughs> and that, that we'll get into in a moment. Um, so I wanna also just throw out there just as we're on this topic before we begin the exercise, that in the show notes for this episode, I do have a guide that you can download. It's called the 10 key steps to learning anatomy. And it talks about learning key muscles as one of the steps. It also gives you a whole bunch of other nine other steps to go through. And this can also really help you hone the time that you're using 
to grow as a teacher when it comes to learning anatomy so that you're really focusing on the right things. You know, a lot of this uh, is really a matter of what to focus on because right now there isn't a shortage of information. I mean, no yoga teacher is saying, gee, I wish there was more information out there for me to learn anatomy. I think the real challenge for yoga teachers is knowing what to learn and who to learn it from. And I've done a tremendous amount of work in the field with teachers in my program, tweaking the process so that learning anatomy with me is a proven process with proven results, easy, fun, doesn't take a lot of time and gets you the outcomes you want, meaning you're going to learn how to effectively cue, how to build sequences without having to spend hours to do it, and to be able to answer your students' questions with confidence and really give them things to do that will really hit home for them and help them with whatever the issue is. And the only way to do that is to learn anatomy. Uh, so that is kind of the preface to the conversation we're going to have today. And so, you know, with that, if you are sitting in a place where you can find a comfortable seat, that will be a good position to be in. If you're driving, walking, doing whatever, that's fine. Just put yourself in the mindset of, you know, kind of a calm, uh, approach or a calm, uh, mindset and, and the body language that goes along with that. I mean, definitely if you're out walking or running or walking the dog, there are many styles of meditation that incorporate movement like that. So you can definitely kind of embody those, those feelings. If you are seated and you can close your eyes, go ahead and close your eyes and let's just all take a big, huge breath in and open your mouth and exhale. So from here, I want you to just start with your awareness at the top of your head and just stay there for a moment. Just notice the wholeness of the body. You know, whenever we do anything like this, it's important that we balance kind of honing in with honing out, zooming in, zooming out. So this idea of even though we're going into describing the parts of the body, some of the parts of the body, we're not losing sight of the whole body. And this is really key for yoga teachers because we are teaching people and we are not teaching parts, yet people are comprised of parts. And many times uh, the way that we cue, the cues we'll come up with, the assists we'll give, the postures we'll choose for our sequence is with an eye towards the different parts. However, it's all about the body as a system, the body as a whole, the holistic view of the body. And we have to kind of keep those two approaches, those two mindsets, perspectives uh, in mind at the same time. So just here, noticing the wholeness of your body, almost as if you were watching yourself from the sky, looking down upon yourself and just noticing all of you. How are you sitting? How are your feet positioned? How's your head positioned in its relationship to your body? Hopefully you'll bring it to a little bit more of an alignment where it's centered over the body. It takes a lot less effort to hold it there, right? When it's centered over the body. This is something that we want to keep in mind when we're teaching our students so that when they're not just standing, but also when they're facing the floor and when they're doing all sorts of things where their relationship to gravity is not consistent with gravity, they can also be cued to remember to keep their head over their shoulders. 
So here, do that now and just notice the shift in the wholeness of your body when you bring your head into a centered position over your shoulders. And then beginning with your awareness on the back side of the body, the posterior aspect of your neck, bringing your awareness there. And just if you can imagine, you know, kind of the, the sides of the neck, starting at the base of the skull and sort of draping along the sides of the neck all the way out to the edges of your shoulders. Can you imagine a muscle on both sides of your neck draping down the sides of the neck out to the tips of the shoulders. So when we go out to the tip of the scapula, it's the acromion. It's that point right on the end of the shoulder joint that's on the scapula. And if you think about what muscles might be there and what they might do, well, because of their position, they would elevate the scapula, scapular elevation. As they concentrically contract, they'd lift the scapula up. And notice we're talking about the scapula, not the shoulder. However, of course, the shoulder is part of the movement. So the shoulder will lift as well, but we're really focusing here on scapular movement. So that muscle there is the trapezius and it's the upper part of the trapezius working in conjunction with the levator scapula. The levator scapula runs from the cervical spine down to the outer tip there. Um, actually, the, um, the levator scapula runs from the cervical spine down the side of the neck out to the tip there of the shoulder. And then the upper trapezius runs consistent with it in the same direction in the same way. And so those two muscles are collaborators and they are responsible for scapular elevation. Now we typically don't need a lot of work with these because we're doing a lot of scapular elevation on our own. Uh, but just, it's good to note, you know, kind of this idea of what's responsible for lifting the shoulder blades. And then as you move, your awareness down your neck to in between your shoulder blades, bring your shoulder blades a little closer together. So this is abduction or retraction. And as we bring the shoulder blades closer together, see if you notice the resulting stretch across the front of the chest. So if we look at what muscle is creating this abduction, that muscle is the rhomboids running from those thoracic spine to the medial border of the scapula and knitting the scapula closer together. And then on top of the rhomboids is the middle part of the trapezius, the middle traps. And so they work in conjunction to draw the scapula closer together. And then as we move further down the spine, if you bring your awareness down your spine, almost down to um, past your waist, your lower back there, that's the lower part of the trapezius. And now as you sit or walk, if you can draw your scapula down your back, that's the action of the lower trapezius, drawing the scapula down the back. So imagine that whole kind of big flat muscle, the trapezius starting at the occiput, the base of the neck, draping out to the acromion of the scapula, and then coming down to that point in your lumbar spine, right around the, the lower back. So upper trap, scapular elevation, middle trap, adduction, lower trap is uh, depression of the scapula. So now if we go back up to bringing your awareness to the base of your neck and we kind of follow that line on the side of the neck where the trapezius and the levator scapula are, 
and we go out to the tip of the shoulder, we have the cuff muscle on the shoulder itself, and that's the deltoid. It has a front portion, a middle, and a back portion, anterior, medial, and posterior. And the anterior part of the deltoid sits on the front of the shoulder capsule and is responsible for internal rotation and flexion of the shoulder. So if you take your arm and you reach it out in front of you and you lift it up to the sky, as you would do in Warrior One, that's gonna be in part the job of the anterior uh, deltoid. And then if you take your arm by your side and you swing it out sideways, that's shoulder abduction, that's the middle trapezius. And then if you take your arm and you turn the palm open, that's external rotation. And that's in part the job of the posterior deltoid. Uh, posterior deltoid. So that cap muscle, I call it a cap because it's like a cap sleeve on a shirt, little short sleeve that sits there. And the partner in that abduction, that's the job of the middle deltoid is the job of the supraspinatus. So the supraspinatus is on the posterior aspect of the shoulder, and it sits in this little crevasse that's on the top of the scapula itself. So if you take your left hand and you bring it to your right shoulder, and then you wiggle your fingers to the back of your shoulder, and you press in there, and you feel that little kind of part of the muscle, you're, you're palpating the trapezius, and then underneath the sub, uh, supraspinatus. And as you take your arm out to the side, as you would in Warrior Two, that is the job of the supraspinatus, which is part of the rotator cuff. And then if you have your fingers still palpating where the upper traps and the supraspinatus is, and you take your fingers back a little bit more right on top of your scapula, so now you have your left hand reaching across the front of your body and feeling the scapula on the right. That is where that whole posterior aspect, lower posterior aspect of the scapula is where the infraspinatus is. And if you take your arm by your side and you spin your palm forward, that's external rotation. That's the job of the infraspinatus, connecting your scapula to your humerus. The reason you're spinning your hand forward is because the muscle literally touches your arm, your humerus, and it's helped by the teres minor, which also connects the scapula to the humerus. And so as you spin your palm forward, or if you take your arms up to the sky and turn your pinkies in, like you might cue people in warrior one, that is external rotation. So those posterior shoulder muscles are doing that. And they are also part of the rotator cuff. Now, if you take your left hand and you palpate your clavicle on the right and you move uh, lower uh, uh, below your clavicle and you press in there. Now, of course, you're pressing your pectorals, but if you can imagine deep below the pectorals is the inner part of your scapula. And in that inner portion of the scapula, the bone, sits the subscapularis. And if you take your right arm and you turn your palm in so that your palm is facing the wall behind you, that's internal shoulder rotation. And that's the job of the subscapularis. So those are the four muscles of the rotator cuff, the supraspinatus, the infraspinatus and teres minor, and subscapularis. And we remember those muscles with the acronym SITS, S-I-T-S. 
Now with your right arm hanging by your side, if you take your left hand and slide it under your right armpit, your fingers will be sticking out behind you. Now, if you take your fingers and you press them to the right side of your body under your armpit, and then take your right arm out in front of you and press your right palm forward, you're probably gonna feel a muscle engage. That's your serratus anterior. And your fingers represent the connection to the ribs. The serratus anterior runs from the ribs two through eight and inserts on the medial border of the scapula. And when you're in plank, when you do cat pose, when you do eagle, when you do crow, that when you do dolphin, that is the muscle that abducts, draws the scapula away from the spine and sort of domes the upper back. So that's your serratus anterior. Now, if you take your right arm and you swing it back, that's a function of your latissimus dorsi. Your latissimus dorsi is a muscle running from your low back all the way up your back and inserting on the humerus. And its job is to take the arm back, which is shoulder extension. And it's helped by a little muscle that runs from the scapula to the humerus on the front side of the humerus. And that's the teres major. You remember I talked before about the teres minor, which is part of the rotator cuff and does external rotation. The teres major, because of where it inserts on the humerus, it actually draws the arm back. So it draws the shoulder into extension. So the latissimus dorsi and the teres major collaborate in shoulder extension and a little bit of internal rotation as well. And so that covers the posterior aspect of the shoulder. It um, gets into the lateral aspect of the shoulder with the deltoid. So now if we move to the front of the shoulder, we already mentioned the pectoral. So if you take your right arm by your side and take your left hand and put your left hand right on the front of your right chest area and you take your right arm up to the sky. That's shoulder flexion, and that's a function of the pectoralis major, which you're touching with your left hand, and underneath pec major is pec minor. And so those are two muscles on the front of the shoulder capsule. And then from there, if you take, your, take both hands and bring both hands to the sides of the body, right where your lungs pretty much would be, this is where your obliques are. You have an inner oblique and an outer oblique. Run, one runs with the fibers running downward, one runs with the fibers running upward, and these muscles collaborate in twisting and side bending. And then if you take your right hand and you stick your right hand on your sternum and you palpate all the way down a little bit below your belly button, you'll hit your pubic bone. That is the rectus abdominis. And that's the muscle that creates spinal flexion. So now put one hand on your sternum, one hand a little below your belly button and start to bow forward. That's the concentric contraction of rectus abdominis. And then from there, if you take both hands a little above your hips, right around your waist and draw the sides of the body in, that's the function of the transversus abdominis. It runs all the way around the middle of the body and it's responsible for kind of that hugging in. 
So here, just in this one, you know, fairly short kind of body scan, we've covered shoulder musculature, we've covered muscles of shoulder extension, uh, in particular, which also gets into when we talked about the lats, we covered core musculature, and we covered muscles of the anterior shoulder. So I'm going to stop there, because I think that this is already you know, kind of a, a good chunk of information. I want you to think about, uh, and you can definitely re-listen to this to kind of get a sense of the types of things that were covered for each muscle. So it didn't get into all the nitty gritty detail that you're gonna find in a lot of textbooks around the origin and insertion. This is where you can get really tripped up in the detail. And I don't think that's necessary for you to know. What is necessary for you to know is the name of the muscle, where it is, and generally what its origin and insertion is, and, and of course, what its primary function is, because that's where you're going to get a whole bunch of information that you can use in your cues. And it's going to allow you to build sequences and build sequences with a theme. So if you want to do a theme of external rotation, You'll know about teres minor and infraspinatus being the main external rotators. You'll understand that as you're externally rotating, you're using those muscles in the back of the body and you're stretching muscles in the front of the body because muscles work in pairs. So you'll be able to explain to your students how this particular sequence we're doing is going to be a shoulder opening sequence. This is gonna allow us to strengthen muscles on the back of the body and lengthen muscles on the front. It's a great sequence to do because it's gonna give us a chance to stretch some of those muscles that are constantly contracted when we hunch over our desk all day. And I know that's kind of a common refrain, but it really is true. And wouldn't it be an amazing experience for you to say some of these things that are somewhat common and instead of just saying them, really understand the mechanics behind it. That gives you so much more impact as a teacher because you're not just repeating things. You're actually talking about something that you know something about. And understand too, another takeaway from this really short exercise is that number one, you can do this of course for any part of the body. I mean, maybe in a future episode, I'll do you know a little bit more uh, on, on the lower half of the body. I mean, we went into the core, but we didn't do anything about the legs or the hips. So we can do that. But understand that the, the takeaway from this is just, just the ease of providing the information. There's not a lot of complicated words. It's just really kind of just understanding what the muscle names are. And I, I get that some of those words are a little bit unusual. Outside of that, all the rest of it was just very conversational, right? It really wasn't a lot of complex stuff. And that's what makes Number one, that's what makes learning from me different. I have a really good way of making things easy to understand. Um, it's also though a way for you to start to appreciate that it's not very difficult to learn anatomy. What makes the difference is when your energy is targeted to just what you need to know, then it's a lot easier to understand. And this is kind of a way that you can make this really easy. I mean, when I hear teachers say, oh, I don't get into all that because my students don't need to know that what? Everybody needs to know this kind of stuff about the body. Think about how many people are 
you know, whatever age they are, and it's really not age related, although certainly as we get older, this gets to be more of a problem and can't do certain things functionally or have aches and pains in their body and are completely at the mercy of their physicians to explain what's possibly at work there. Or think about all the information we're hearing and seeing online. And unless we're educated about our bodies, it puts us really at the mercy of whatever we're seeing. And we don't, you know, really have any other way to think about it. So this is all really important information for your students to know. However, it's up to you to figure out a way to present it so that every yoga class doesn't seem like a workshop or doesn't seem like an anatomy lesson. That's the difference between truly understanding it and just repeating it. When you truly understand it, you can make it fun. You can tell little stories. You can kind of weave these words in and out of your cues. You can decide when it's not necessary to say the muscle name. However, your cue is gonna trigger the activation of the muscle because you're really gonna be able to give a cue that works. So understand that all of this is not so you can stand there and lecture your students. It's really so that you have a lot more choices available to you. When you're only teaching from a script, you have no choice. You have no freedom, you have no authenticity. You're just basically repeating stuff. And that is a refrain that I'll say over and over again until the cows come home, because it continues to be how teachers are trained. And I can only share from the amazing experiences the teachers have that are in my program that they break free of that and they find their authentic way of teaching and they can't believe how easy and fun it was to learn anatomy so that they can be more empowered and make more of an impact when they work with their students. So I hope that you found this helpful. I would love to know what you think. So feel free to send me an email or send me a DM on Instagram. I am doing regular Instagram uh, reels, which are the video portion of IG. And I'm doing regular, and when I say regular, I mean at least once a day, videos on TikTok. So both of those platforms, I am all in with those. I think they're wonderful platforms for sharing information. And, you know, imagine if you had one minute to share anatomy information with yoga teachers, or think about from a reframe perspective, think about if you started on your Instagram, or if you started on your TikTok, thinking in one minute, I wanna communicate something of value to people who practice yoga. What would you do? You would have to have a pretty good command of the information in order to cull it down to just one minute. And I think that there's so much value for yoga teachers in using these platforms to help them get more articulate with sharing messaging, get more out there about who they are as a teacher, get more comfortable in showing themselves I just can't say enough about these two platforms and hello, they are free. They are free. If you're not going to place ads, and at this point, I'm not really doing ads right now, you're just out there. You're just leveraging these platforms to get information out there. And it's not even necessarily to try to sell something or to try to grow a huge following. In a lot of ways, I look at it as a way for me to get more articulate and more skilled at communication. Because I don't know about you, but when I'm scrolling through these platforms, if someone isn't a good communicator, forget it. After about two seconds, I'm done. So your ability to hone your messaging, to hone your communication skills, what is more important to yoga teaching than that? It's not about 
doing all sorts of fancy stuff or dancing or any of that baloney that people think these platforms are about. They're not about that. And I don't know why all of a sudden I'm on this soapbox defending them. I'm just, I just want to be sure that if you are under the perception that that's what these platforms are about, you're miss, I'm telling you, you're missing out. You're missing out on just using these platforms to grow critical skills for teaching yoga effectively. End of story. And completely free. So no reason not to do it. Um, so join me there. I'm uh, doing my free weekly half hour classes. They're 30 minutes long. And for the month of August, I'm doing two a week. I'm probably going to do... Um, well, I'm, I might not do the same days every week. However, I'm pretty much going to do one on the later side of the day, East Coast time, and then one on the earlier side of the day, East Coast time, so that people in other time zones have options. So if you live on the East Coast like me in the United States, you can probably catch either of those. If you live in Europe or you know someplace where you're five hours ahead of me, you can probably catch the morning one and it'll be in the middle of the day, your time. So I'm hoping with um, a late and an early, I catch a lot of people in different time zones. And remember those classes are free. You can hang out afterwards, bring your questions about anatomy and, um, and we can chat. And then the last thing is don't forget the download, the free download on 10 key steps to learning anatomy. You can get that in the show notes for this episode. All you need to do to get the show notes is go to my website, look up this episode and they'll be right there. And if you just don't feel like doing that, you're like on your phone right now listening, just send me a DM on Instagram and I'll send you the link for the download. So I hope you've enjoyed this. If you're still listening right now, I want to acknowledge you for sticking with this episode all the way through. And to acknowledge you, what I'd like to do is offer you a special discount to enroll in my program this week. So if you're listening the week of August 1st and you are still listening right now and you've enjoyed this episode, you've noticed how I've mentioned different things about the program that I offer that goes into this in full detail. If you would like a special invite with a special discount to my program, just send me a DM on Instagram or send me an email. I have to receive it though this week. So I'm really just catching people who are listening to this episode the first week of August. And I'm happy to honor that. So thank you so much for listening. And I will connect with you again on the next episode of Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Hi there. Well, you made it to the end of the episode and now you're listening to the outro, which is amazing. Thank you so much for staying all the way until the end. So I want to just let you know that I just the other day put on my website on the events page, a really cool and short, it's like 20 minutes recorded workshop that I've done. And it covers how the topic of how to provide effective cues. And this is something that I get asked about all the time. So I wanted to do a special recorded webinar workshop that you could listen to, you can watch because it is uh, an actual visual workshop as if you were there with me in the studio, uh, or you could just listen to it. I think it's going to be better if you actually watch it. So how you get to this is super easy. You just go to my website, which is barebonesyoga.com, 
And on the events page, you're going to see the schedule for the events I'm holding on any particular month. And right on that page, you'll see a link to watch the automated webinar. And I like to call them workshops because in the teacher world, yoga teacher world, that's what we call these deep dives we do into different topics. And this one is no different. So just hop over there, barebonesyoga.com, go to the events page. You can watch this uh, webinar that I recently recorded. Here we are in the middle of 2022, and it's got some really cool ideas and strategies that you can use to really build your confidence in your queuing. So once you watch that, if you have any questions, of course, just reach out to me and let me know. And I'm happy to hop on a call with you and answer whatever questions you might have. Namaste.